I have been in situations politically where things that looked pretty certain did not come to fruition, and it was pretty devastating because I wasn't mentally prepared for that. And so I've learned from that. And I think in this race, win or lose, I feel happy doing this. Like the process of running for office, whether I become a senator or not, I love this. And Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Finding Fire podcast. I'm your host, Matt LaFlamme. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Miller. The Finding Fire podcast provides content that impacts individuals and hopes to inspire, educate, and motivate them to take action to achieve their personal and professional passions through consultations with high-level achievers and entrepreneurs at the top of their game. And be sure to subscribe and follow us at Finding Fire Podcast, and please leave us a review. Grant, thank you for joining us tonight to talk about yourself and what you're doing in the community. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to meet you guys, you know, talk about, you know, what I'm doing and and uh, hear a little bit more about you guys too. So Awesome. Yeah. So why don't you start out, introduce yourself and talk about kind of what you're doing professionally right now. Sure, absolutely. So I'm Grant Hoschild. Um, I professionally am a lot of different things. <laughs> um, you know, first and foremost, I like to say I'm a father. Uh, I have a two-year-old and a four-month-old, and so that has been tremendously busy, not mm. a lot of sleep, uh, no. which doesn't help in other <laughs> endeavors, but that's okay. Uh, keeps you keeps you alive. So um, they're my inspiration and and um, kind of my whole my whole focus. Um, Henry is my two year old, and Isla is my four month old. But um, in other in other avenues, I am the executive director at the Essential Health Foundation. Um, in that capacity, we raise money for patients and families who perhaps can't afford. Um, certain aspects of their care. Um, so that's really a compassionate kind of driven mission um, with our foundation. We also help fund research. So kind of looking at that transformational aspect to healthcare to make sure that we're researching new ways to care for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do capital and medical equipment as well. So just a kind of a, a broad range of ways of supporting healthcare in our community. Wow. Um, and then I'm also a city councilor in Hermantown. Um, and I've been doing that since 2020. And that has been a really fun experience because Hermantown is this young, growing community where we mm-hmm. can just try things. And it's really fun. There's not a lot of barriers to what we can do. Um, and so I'm happy to you know talk more about that. And then lastly, I am uh, running for the Minnesota State Senate in District 3, which is um, kind of the entire Arrowhead surrounding Duluth down in Hermantown and Proctor, um, and then up to I Falls and into even Itasca County. So. Wow. Wow. I'm going to ask this. Yeah. And you don't have to answer, but how old are you? I'm 32. You're the executive director of a foundation. (laughs) You're a city councilor, and now you're going for Senate. Right. How in the heck are you finding time to do all this? Balance. It's, well, you know, I like to say that it all builds on itself. Um, You know, when you are driven to raise money for patients and families who can't afford care, you start thinking about where are the gaps in in this system that we can try to fix. Um, when you're a city councilor, you notice that there's this big s- surplus at the state level that could do a lot of good in your local community. So you start thinking, geez, maybe I could make an even bigger impact by being a state senator. Uh, those are just a couple examples, but these things, I think life is all interconnected and gaining inspiration by trying new things, 
often leads to more. And, and that's what I just always try to follow. That was one of my initial uh, questions internally too is, I think you may have touched on it, like the correlation of what you're doing at Ascension being the director of the foundation, city councilor, Hermantown running for Senate. With your like aspirations, can you talk about is how that all connects like with you and what you're yeah, trying to do? Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll say this. So, you know, I got involved kind of in that public service or that political work at a really young age. Mm. And I don't come from a political family. So I didn't have somebody like bringing me around yeah. to, to, to <laughs> events or anything like that. And so I think back to that time when I was really young, probably 13, 14 years old, and what it was that inspired me to get involved. And I realized that. In the Midwest, we go out of our way to help our friends, neighbors, complete strangers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of the stereotype. It's the Minnesota nice way right. of doing things, right? It's what yep. we're known for. And it's my perspective that we don't do that to make ourselves feel good. We do it because we know life is easier when we have each other's back. Mm-hmm. And it sounds a little cliche, but it, it really fundamentally is true that that you know that you your life will be easier when you know that others are going to look out to you when you need it most. And so when you talk about the foundation, when you talk about politics, you know, all of that work for me is tied back to that kind of theme of having, mm-hmm. having our communities back and having each other's back. And what can we do more globally, um, you know, to, to, to implement those ideas? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, that goes for just a lot of different things too. Like exactly. I came back from T-ball practice today, and there's one team that had one coach with like thirty little rascals running around, <laughs> and like I, I didn't, I was there to help, but in her eyes, like after practice, she came up to me and was like, "Thank you so much for helping." I was like, "Oh, right. just making sure the kids on the bench have their helmets on, and when they were up, they moved down the bench and go on in." But no, driving home thinking about it, I was like, "Yeah, that was I had her back, and she just how much she appreciated that." And I wasn't like like what you just said. Like I was doing it not to feel good, but in the back end, just like I, I just subconsciously, I know I had her back. Right. So just little stuff in life. And like let that. me ask you this: so you put in effort to do that, right? You, yeah. You you expressed action and you yep. you used energy to do all that. Yep. But when you got done and you were driving home, I bet you felt energized. Oh yeah. You felt you know motivated. Yep. I mean, so you're spending energy, mm-hmm. and yet you're working with other people and and feeling better, right? And I think that it, that is the crux of of what we all, I think, as a community community need to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, maybe not to dive into another wormhole here, but mm-hmm. but you know, you talk about modern day technology and everybody being on their phones and social media and kids with tablets. And, and don't get me wrong, I've done that a time or two, uh, <laughs> but that's starting to create disconnects and it's starting mm-hmm. to create avenues where you don't naturally interact with other people as much. Yeah. And I think when you look at the ills that our society is going through and some of the problems and challenges we face, I think a lot of it can be connected back to that lack of community and lack of, inter, you know, natural interaction. Mm-hmm. I love it. That, that's such a great way to look at, look at it. You had just mentioned a little bit ago that you started out in politics mm-hmm. early yeah. in your life. How did you how did you get into politics? Like where did that avenue I, yeah, <laughs> come into I, play? Well so it's it's funny, you know, you when you think about politics like in Hollywood, right? You you see like West Wing and suits walking around and yeah. busy writing memos and being super smart, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
the reality is it's, it's, it's basically just grunt work. I mean, politics is you walk into a campaign office, you're sent out on the doors, you're sent to make phone calls to contact voters, you're running errands to make sure that an event has waters, you're getting signs placed in yards, what, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. And I think a lot of people need to, and this is like a message beyond just politics, you know, when you want to get into something, you're not just going to jump into the back room, you know, head, head roll, you mm-hmm. know, strategizing for the whole organization. Yeah. You're going to start at the bottom. You're going to do the grunt work. You're going to show passion and, and show some success. And you're going to probably fail a bunch mm-hmm. and be yelled at and be told <laughs> you're doing something wrong. But then you learn from that and yeah. you grow. Um, so I'm probably not answering your question no. exactly. But, you know, the point is just that I was so driven by the political process that I was willing to be a really hardworking grunt. And that, that worked out for me because it showed people that I was trustworthy. Um, it -hmm. showed people that I was willing to do the, the, you know, tough work. And then when other opportunities came about, I just kept growing, you know, from there and happy to kind of talk about that journey more, but yeah, that's kind of how it started. Yeah, for so so for somebody that like maybe has a slight interest in mm-hmm. getting started with politics. Yeah, how did you how did you start? I literally asked my mom to drive me down to the. Well, okay, let me take a step back. <laughs> I, I don't want to get you know too into to politics, politics, but the the first inspiration was watching um, Al Gore and George Bush debate each other. I remember distinctly being a little kid in my basement watching those debates and they were pretty good debates. Like that was, it's, it almost, it sounds weird because it's not that long ago, but that was back when politics for me was like actually about policy and not kind of characterizations and mudslinging as much. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm, yeah. maybe I'm just getting older and thinking the good old days were better. But that's my interpretation anyway. So yeah. I was like yeah. really like enthralled by that debate. Yeah. And I thought both candidates were like quality people, and it like felt good, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point being, I was inspired, and I kind of based on that chose you know which which organization I wanted to go help. Um, and I had my mom drive me down to that headquarters. And I showed up, walked in at 14 and just said, hey, I, I would like to help this campaign. You know, what can I do? Um, and they they gave me some yard signs. I went out, put up the yard signs, came back and they said, oh, well, you put them up where? And I said, well, I just found friends and family who were willing to put them up. And then they had me start on phone calls. And then from phone calls, it went to door knocking. At 14. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you oh. know. And, and like, I think at first they were kind of like, I don't even know if we can like legally have this kid, like, you know, child labor laws. I don't know what we're doing here, but I guess I was just volunteering. And so they let me do it and keep doing it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) For somebody that, you know, nowadays that's interested, there's a lot of avenues via social media, you know, and, and online registrations, sign up for events, go to fundraisers. Um, but I would say if you can find a party, uh, office in your community, um, go show up. They are going to die to have you there. Yeah. <laughs> they will be excited <laughs> to put you to work. You just have to be willing to do the work. That's the that's the main yeah. thing. Yeah. Yep. I think that's what a lot of people don't don't see or don't hear either. Right. Like I think you, it was a perfect example. What you said you don't just you know walk into a role and all of a sudden you're a, you have a senior role mm-hmm. type of thing. It's it's that grunt work that nobody sees or the practice you put in when the right. when the lights are off or. NBA players in the summer and they're working their butts off and they're 
doing well during the season. Exactly. They put in the work. It's something that I was just thinking about too, and it's not related exactly to what we're talking about, but I think the moment that I realized I was really meant to be there was when I stopped getting nervous. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, but certainly when you first, you're interested in something, right? And you dive in and it's nerve wracking. It's like, oh God, this is like new. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a new, you know, uh, whatever it might be, a new relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, that, That moment when all of a sudden you're doing something and you feel confident and you don't have those nerves. For me, that was like, oh, I am like meant to do this. Yeah. I feel good about mm-hmm. this. I can provide advice to other people about this. I am a, I, I hate to say this about myself, but it's like you start considering yourself a little bit of like an expert, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah, like absolutely. I am an expert sure. in this realm yep. and yep. other people are experts in their realm and mm-hmm. we can learn from each other. That's not to say I don't learn every day. Right. I learn new things. And you know, I, I probably Five years ago, I probably would have told you I was an expert in politics, and now I realize I, I wasn't then. I'm probably still not, so just for the record. But I, you just start considering yourself like you're in the right place. It's always based off your listenership, though, too, right? To me, <laughs> right, you'd be an expert. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all about perspective, Yeah. who you're talking to. Yep. yep. Yeah, but that feeling that you do get when you are, yeah, when you're, you're nervous, you're a wreck at first, and then when you get that <laughs> confident feeling, I got this. I got this. And you right. know you're helping people out, confidently telling them, like, you know right. this is the answer and how it's going to help you. Yes. Like that feeling alone is, I, I go through that with, you know, digital media, my professional yeah. career. It's, you know, you're talking to people and uh, that might not know a lot about digital, but you know. And when yes. you first jumped in, it was super nerve-wracking. It's always changing. But if you can help people yep. drive revenue to their business or learn something new that could help them. That's what it's all about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what's been the most challenging part for you? I guess, let's say like right now you have family, a couple of kids, you got yeah. three different, uh, not directions, but three, you know, yeah. executive director, Hermantown and going right. for Senate. What's, I guess right now what's been the most struggling thing for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, there's a lot of challenges. Um, you know, one is feeling like, you want to be a hundred percent everywhere yeah. and you, you just literally can't, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but finding ways to, to maximize your potential in each area with limited time and delegating and mm-hmm. finding support and working together with others. I mean, kind of going back to our earlier part of the conversation, you find allies, you find coworkers, you find other counselors with a mutual vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start seeing like, Oh, I, like I'm making more, uh, you know, action happen through this work because I've partnered with others. Sure. Um, so that's kind of one challenge is just that balancing act, just like everybody deals with. But yeah. It's it's it can be challenging. I would say, you know, this might not be exactly what you were asking, but one thing that's been on my mind with this race in particular is the national environment politically. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that when I'm campaigning, when I'm meeting with voters, that they're thinking about me and perhaps my challenger yeah. and that they're making a logical sure. yeah, decision based on who we are. Yep. Um, because I hope, I hope they do, because I feel confident in my abilities to, um, to deliver for, for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if that's happening. 
And so there's this feeling, and I'm sure there's other instances in business and elsewhere again, where you're putting in all this work and you're wondering, are there external factors that could wash this all away? Yeah. And that is, (laughs) that's, that's a, that's a, not a great feeling. That's a challenge that I don't know how to overcome Yeah. other than just work my butt off and hope it doesn't happen. Yep. Already, Already putting a perception Right in front, even before they get you right. talk to them. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. Hard. Do you have a challenge with? Um, and I go through this, just like trying to make everyone happy, mm-hmm. like trying to, like you just said, being there a hundred percent of the time, and just trying to please everyone. I feel like in some of the roles, like do you come up is that? Yeah. Up? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, that's kind of a. Especially in politics, oh man! Yeah. I mean, you know, you and and your constituents, and you know, yeah. There's there's definitely a need to be kind of an ambassador of sorts, or right. call you know, <laughs> create relationships where everything is kind of okay, you know. And yep. Yep. when you see one part kind of sagging, figuring out how to address that relationship and mm-hmm. uh, that feeling with that person. And, you know, in, in, in politics, much like business, again, like everything, I'm just, my in my instance, politics, you make decisions that not that is not going to make everybody happy. Yeah. Just by the, by the, you know, by the presence of what you are doing, that decision somebody disagrees with, right? And mm-hmm. so you have to know, when you're making these decisions, which direction you want to go in, you want to be true to your heart and have conviction first and foremost, but then you have to consider, okay, how am I strategically making this decision so that I'm keeping my relationships going? Um, because you can't always, you can't always let somebody down and expect them to show up for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even, even when you do make those decisions where, you know, somebody's going to disagree with it, like how how long? Maybe you're still working on this. Like, mm-hmm. did that take you to feel okay with that? Like, I know you're not going to like this decision, but because it's the right. strategic right path, this is why we're doing it. But right. it's still always that internal feeling. Like, I know I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it it totally depends on the relationship. Sure. You know, for some people, I would say, oh, you know, that's not the right move here with that individual. And I'm not even talking policy here. Like, I, in some of this, this is just whatever it might be, whatever yeah. decision you might need to make. And then with others, you know, hey, I have a strong enough bond with this individual that I can have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one one thing that I challenge myself to do is um, there's kind of this cliche in politics about Lincoln's cabinet um, where he surrounded himself with rivals um, surrounded himself with people that he didn't agree with sure. uh, in his, you know, in his cabinet. And I, obviously I don't have a cabinet, <laughs> but uh, I do have circles of folks that I rely on and that I entrust and that I seek advice from. Right. Mm-hmm. And I try not to make all of those circles and all those cabinet members, I guess you could say of my life, um, the same breed of person. Yeah. I, I, you know, I try to make sure that I've got different people with different perspectives and that especially the people that I probably have pretty strong disagreements with, but at a, at a core, we believe in the same thing. Mm -hmm. I try to keep those people even closer Yeah, because, because those are the people that both challenge me most and who frankly need that, need those connections to, to, to to maintain themselves better, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And that's hard to do too. Like different, you know, articles we read or experiences we've been with is, you know, hiring somebody that's smarter than you in Mm -hmm. that field and kind of putting your ego to the side and having this, you know, what's best for the cabinet, what's best for the company. And 
I might hire somebody that might know more than me, and that's okay. That's mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm being comfortable not knowing as much in that realm mm-hmm. and not pretending like you do. Exactly. Thing, so. I think for anybody in a leadership position where you're making decisions, like I love what you said about how you strategically have a process of how you're going to make that hard decision mm-hmm. because I think a lot of leaders don't have a process mm-hmm. and have a really difficult time justifying the decisions that they're about to make. They might know why they're going to do it, but they go to make that phone call or they're going to have that conversation with an unruly customer, an unruly yep. employee, and it ruins their day, right? Where they have a hard time making those. But if you have a good process in place and you know why you're doing it, it makes it a lot easier. It, absolutely. And again, kind of to your baseball example, those for those folks, that that's a draining conversation from their energy, right? I mean, yeah. they, they feel, and, and then when people go, when people can't balance their emotions and, and go with whatever their current reaction is to a scenario and make mm-hmm. a decision based on that, that's when you, I think, run into to trouble. Because yeah. then, then the very person that's making the decision, you know, those relationships see that. They see that it was an emotional thing, not, uh, you know, not a thought out, it might have emotion, but it wasn't an emotional decision. Right. Um, and so that's, that's really key is to take a step back first and talk to yourself. And again, that's back to that conviction. Like, okay, what's in my heart? Mm-hmm. What do I believe? Where am I at? I may be feeling really bad about this. I may be feeling scared about this, but let's just think about this and then, you know, and go from there. Right. Yep. yep. I mean, Self-awareness for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So your surroundings and interactions and who you're dealing with and, I'm going to check this camera real quick. Sounds good. Just because yeah. I've been having some issues with it lately. Yeah. And you guys can keep going if yeah. you want. So when you were running, so you're for Hermantown mm-hmm. City Council and running for the Senate, were there any similarities of your approach? Like when you first started running for Hermantown and when you first started running for the Minnesota Senate? Great question. Um, it's funny because when I ran for Hermantown, COVID had just started. Oh. And so it really was a much different yeah. campaigning experience. Um, I did have an opponent for a short time in my Hermantown race, and that individual ended up uh, dropping out of the race. Sure. So I ended up not having an opponent as well, ultimately. Yeah. And so, you know, at one point I was running really hard, but also COVID was there, so I couldn't really door knock, or I didn't feel comfortable putting other people, you know, putting me or other people ask, in that yeah, position. I was get to that of what you did. Yeah. But. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I basically did videos. Okay, yeah. was kind of how I ran my campaign and and kind of introduced myself to the community that way. Um, and then I did a mailer, so I you know did mail instead of like literature where that I handed yeah. to folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a challenge. Yeah. Now, you know, totally different. You know, um, certainly COVID is still a factor in in our lives, and I think just always will be. But we're not in that circumstance of. Mm-hmm. of kind of an emergency situation yeah. so kind of a crazy aspect of you would think one blueprint would somehow work with the other but just with the pandemic and everything happening right. those two totally different yep. strategies exactly <laughs> yeah and there's there's other differences too in hermantown it's a small community right it's yeah. ten thousand people um and 
you're not ready. You're not running as a partisan office holder. Yeah. Not that partisanship should play a role in the legislature either, in all aspects, but it is technically a party, you know, endorsement process. Yeah. In city council, you're running really like as yourself for your vision for the community, mm-hmm. kind of like the way it should be, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you, your strategy in terms of your targets for voters, your strategy in terms of messaging, your strategy in terms of honestly even telling your own personal story, I think are a lot different mm-hmm. because you're not um, you're not falling into those kind of contrast visions for for the state or the country. Um, sure. you're, you're talking about contrasting visions for your local area and it's just way different. Yeah. Also the, uh, I could talk just about being in politics and then family Yeah, and what that balance has been like and how supportive your family mm-hmm. has been and like being on the same page before you jump in or just kind of what's that life background, family yeah. background of that. Yeah. You know, my, my wife, you know, who was my girlfriend during college always knew that politics was in my blood and was my deep passion. Yeah. Right. And so she has always and forever known that and been very, very supportive. Mm -hmm. Um, so that has never been an issue. What has been, um, a new challenge is balancing politics and work, frankly, or any extracurricular with children. Because once you add children to the equation, you know, my wife and I, we could find ways when I was involved in politics to stay up later and have a date night or take a day off and go, you know, whatever it was to maintain our relationship. Mm -hmm. But with children, those moments are fleeting, right? And you only have a window of opportunity when they're not napping or going to bed early (laughs) or at daycare or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, at camp, maybe as they get older. Um, and you don't want to miss those things. Um, yeah. and so I have really with this race in particular, now that I have kids, um, taken an approach where it's not worth it to not be there for my kids when I need to, mm-hmm. because when you're in a campaign, you feel like you need to do everything 110%. You feel like you're never doing enough to, to reach voters, to yeah. go to that community, to talk about this issue. And I've just said from the beginning on this race, like, I'm just not going to let that happen yeah. if it's going to, if it's going to take me away from time with my kids. Mm-hmm. So for instance, last weekend and this weekend, I will be home with my kids. I just, you know, made, made the executive decision, going to be home with them and just do that. I make, I also make you know, with you guys, I asked to schedule at a different time because I didn't want it to be scheduled during our dinner time and, and bedtime yeah. with my yeah. kids. Yep. And that that was a conscious decision. And, you know, it's challenging because political events often take place at five, six, seven <laughs> o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you have to pick where you can be and what you can do. But um, but I, it's just not worth it to me. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you have your family's back by doing that too. Mm-hmm. Just kind of going back to that theme that we started talking talking about. Exactly, that's that's huge and hard to do, but yeah, but you feel more refreshed. Yeah, and I should also add the context that my wife is an advanced practitioner at the hospital, 
And so she is, first of all, much smarter than me. Uh, <laughs> secondly, much harder working than me. Uh, and is, you know, our our children's preferred uh, parent at the, you know, much like mothers <laughs> yeah. traditionally oh, yeah. kind of are. I hear you. Um, and so I, it would be, it would be very wrong of me to not be there in those, you know, those critical moments in the evening and, and on the weekends for them, you know, to, yeah. to help. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. This honestly, this time worked out perfect because yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we had dinner, <laughs> went out, had dinner, and went back home. Got them started, ready for bed, and good. They yep. wanted mom, and it was perfect. I'm like, I'm out of here. Right, yeah. So this was great. Yeah, we good. do our editing stuff where we meet, you know, weekly, but eight thirty, nine o'clock, and yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so you had mentioned while you were part of the Hermantown City Council. Can you still be a part of that if you become a Senate member? You can't. Okay. Yep. So basically the rule is, and I, you know, I don't have the, the language of the statute yeah. or whatever, yeah. but basically in essence, you can't serve in two different levels of government at the same time. Okay. So like if you're at the local level, not that this would happen, but like you can't go from, you can't be a city councilor while being a U.S. senator at the federal level. Sure. You can't be a state senator while being at a municipal level. Okay. Uh, if that makes sense. You can't be, yeah. I don't think you can be at a county level and a city level. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So you have to have kind of one political position. And I think a lot of that is not only the time it takes to manage those uh, responsibilities, yeah. but also just the conflict of interest, right? If, if you're right. on the legislator, I'm dictating direct spending or indirect spending in, in a municipality. Sure. Yep. And so then if I'm a city councilor, well, gee, that, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense that a city councilor <laughs> could work on a bonding bill that would bring X amount of money to a community, you know? So yeah. that's, that's where you run into that. Okay. Yep. Before I jump into my questions on the Senate portion. Yeah. You also mentioned um, Hermantown. Mm-hmm. We're young. We're fun. Yeah. You get to try a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. What are the, some of the things that you guys are tackling on yeah. the city council here mm-hmm. in town? Yeah, great question. Um, there's there's a lot of, of really cool things. One is, uh, well, it, it goes from like the very simple, right, to maybe the more visionary. Um, but... You know, one thing we've done is we constructed a new sewer trunk uh, in our community. And sewer trunk, if you know, is literal, that's sewer, sewage. Yep. <laughs> um, very important, but often overlooked. Yeah. And when we did that, we were like, well, why don't we take this opportunity? We're excavating all this land. We're eminent domaining or purchasing, you know, land in our community that's vast why don't we take this opportunity to build something our community really needs on top of that sewage line? And so we built this incredible boulder trail uh, that runs from Stebner Park. Well, really, it runs from the corner of Stebner and Maple Grove, but it goes to you know Stebner Park and then wraps around. You guys are probably familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we built that on top of the sewer line. So people don't realize when they're walking on that trail, they're yeah. walking on the sewer no line. Idea. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's like, Oh, that was kind of like a cool cost saving way yeah. to build something that everybody loves. Yeah. Um, sure. and kind of to the broader vision, that's also a tiny piece of our broader community recreation initiative, which is to bring trails, um, a new park at Fickner and a new 
sheet of ice at our uh, hockey complex to fruition in our community. And I'll talk specifically about the trails because what's so cool is this one piece that we built, like I said, is one puzzle piece of the overall um, deal. We want to go from the Hermantown High School and YMCA, connect it all the way down, and hopefully through a deal with Proctor, connect it to the Munger State Trail. Awesome. So you go, think about this, you go at the current Boulder Trail, that's like two miles and some length of trail, not very long. Mm -hmm. If we're able to add these additions, you know, you're talking 130 miles of interconnected trail from Hermantown and Proctor and Duluth and then down to Hinkley. So, I mean, that's a transformational change by working together with another community and just connecting the dots. Yeah. To something that already exists, not that far away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a cool, cool deal. I certainly could talk about more. You know, we've we've implemented way more uh, legislative efforts uh, since I've come on council, just given my background in that area. So I've been really working strongly with our legislators to bring money back to our community, um, to make sure that we get local government aid, which is not to get into the weeds, but it's a program where greater Minnesota communities get a portion of money from the state coffers to help support anything they want in the community. Hermantown gets zero, whereas Proctor, Cloquet, Duluth get a lot of money. And so we're trying to change the formula to, to do that, to make that possible for Hermantown. Um, you know, uh, so, so you know, the legislative work has been really inspiring for me and yeah. part of what drew me to this state Senate race. Okay. So let's state Senate. Yeah. Yep. What's the criteria? How, how, like, can you just <laughs> a big like, question. Yeah, I'm going to run now. <laughs> I think the best part about state legislators is that for most states, maybe not California, New York, and Illinois, but for the most part, they're meant to be citizen legislators. What that means is they want folks to be in the state legislature where it's not their full-time job, where they are not a career politician. They are not there full-time. Okay. And the idea is that it grounds your your state. It grounds your legislators in the reality of what is happening in their communities mm-hmm. um, and in their business community, in their nonprofit community, whatever, you know, in their family, <laughs> in their families, whatever it might be. Um, and so... You know, I think that's a pretty special thing. And the reason I'm saying that is because you're asking what qualifies you. Well, anything qualifies you. And I think what people need to know is that we need more people who maybe don't think they're qualified to run for these positions. Because we can't have a bunch of lawyers running our state government, right? Like we can't, we can't have everybody like me who, who at 14 years old got involved in politics and it's anything I've ever done, you know, like that's great for me. And I'm one person that maybe could add some value, but if everybody was like that, you know, we're not going to add a lot of diverse thought and break the mind bubble that happens in these situations. Yeah. So we need farmers, we need entrepreneurs, we need um, single mothers and fathers. We need young people, old people, middle-aged people. We need, um, you know, people of color. We need people with, uh, different, you know, different sexual preferences. We, I mean, just across the gambit, we need diversification, uh, of, of folks in these roles. And as you can imagine, you know, these, these positions, um, tend to lean towards older retired uh, and traditionally, you know, white men, mm-hmm. although that has changed a lot in Minnesota. 
Um, and so I'm hoping that that more people will be inspired to consider something like this because I think it would help. I had no yeah. idea. I was That's really interesting. I figured you would have to quit your job. Me too. To go and take yeah. on take this on. Yeah, you don't. And in fact, there are rules in place that you, um, much like jury duty or National Guard service, you have to be allowed to be a legislator. Interesting for for your career. Okay. Well, so they like they so like it put it into law that like you you can be a citizen legislator and still have your job. Okay. Yeah. This opens up a whole other door of questions. <laughs> yeah. So what are then, let's hypothetically say you get elected. Mm-hmm. What are the requirements of you to fulfill your Senate duty? Is it just like you had mentioned, like mm-hmm. like the reserves, like every other weekend, <laughs> like right. you're here, yep. you know what I mean? Yeah, so the session is usually, and I, I don't have the exact dates, but I think it was, you know, end of Jan, very end of January until uh, May 23rd. So that's kind of traditionally, so it's like February, March, April, May is kind of, so four months of the year is when you're in session for the standard normal legislative process. Um, Then you have committee meetings and um, tours and greater Minnesota, you know, events and things that go on out of session to gather information, hear from constituents, those types of things. Um, and then you have special sessions. So special sessions, you know, might be during COVID uh, mm-hmm. when the governor asked for there to be a special session to address some of the issues going on there. Um, or there might be a special session like hap- that's being debated right now, which is they didn't get the job done and they failed at in their duty to come to a, to a negotiation on the $9 billion surplus. And so now the governor is negotiating with the leadership of um, the Senate and the House to determine whether or not a special session is necessary to to deliver for our communities, um, which, for the record, I think they should. Um, so that can happen, and that is open ended, and so you know that's kind of an interesting dynamic. You never know what could cause that, right? Yeah. And traditionally, Minnesota has had a split legislator, partisan wise, which is like one of the only states that has that uh, in recent you know history, and that has caused more special sessions, as you can imagine. Yeah. Yep. Um, because of that. And then that's not counting any of the <laughs> things that you do on your own time as a senator or a representative, which is like trying to door knock, trying to meet with constituents, trying to show up to a city hall meeting in one of your communities to let them know you're working for them. You know, you, mm-hmm. you have duties to promote your, not just promote yourself. That's the wrong way of putting it, but of making sure people know what you're doing, communicating what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So somebody listening right now, like what would be their first step? Like, like you said, there's like the National Guard or different like yeah. recruiting offices type of thing. Like, would they go online to fill something out, or would they? That's a yeah. Gotta, that's a really great question. I mean, there's probably different ways to go about it. Um, a traditional way would be to get involved in your one of the party's district organizing units okay. and learn about who's involved in that. What are their thoughts on who might be running? finding out kind of what the issues are that matter most in your district mm-hmm. and then going through your party endorsement process. So you kind of, you, you file with the, you know, with the state to let them know that you're interested in running. Mm-hmm. Then you go through the party's convention and caucuses to determine whether or not you're endorsed. 
Then you file with the Secretary of State. Then after that, if you have a primary opponent, what happens is the parties at these conventions, which are kind of like insider folks who sign up to be volunteers and delegates, vote on who gets endorsed. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't determine who the party nominee is. That just means the 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 party folk decided they like this person and they promote that and they spend money promoting them. Then anybody can run in a primary. So you could be Joe Schmo off the street and you could say, you know what, I, I didn't go through any of that insider party politic process. I'm going to run as a Republican against this endorsed candidate um, and see what happens. And that's on yeah. August, you know, that's in, that's in August. And so you can spend your own money, you know, you can raise money and run that campaign to try to win that primary. I'll add, and I know I've said a lot, but I'll add, it's it's important to know that I don't remember how many, but for sure the last two governors of this state have not been endorsed by their party. So they ran in a primary and beat the endorsed candidate, which I think wow. tells you a little bit about where perhaps the parties are compared to the more general public that vote in these primaries. Right. Yeah. yeah. So how many people are you battling it out against right now? Do you have an idea? Do you know how many people are running? Um, yeah, that's, that's a timely question because I have gone through the convention process that I just described. Um, I did have an opponent within the party, within the DFL at one point. Um, he dropped out when I announced. So he had announced before me and then he dropped out. Um, okay. So I didn't have anybody through that process. Now um, that primary filing with the Secretary of State is open until May 31st. And so right now we are Couple sitting days. at what? May, yeah, May 26th. <laughs> five, five more days, yeah. Yep. So I, I um, may not have a primary opponent. Okay. Um, and on the other side, there are two candidates um, running in their primary, one endorsed candidate, one you know running in the primary. Um, so we'll see what happens. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right, so let's... All right, you're elected. Grant, congratulations. You've now served two consecutive terms. We're as eight years down the road. Yep. What are your aspirations beyond that? Do you have aspirations beyond the Senate? I, you know, that's such a hard question to answer because obviously I, you know, was involved in city council and now I'm interested in the state Senate. Um, that's not to say I'm not still very much interested in city council if I do, you know, if I'm unsuccessful in this race. Um, I I could see opportunities presenting themselves and coming available, but I will say this. I very much consider myself more of a legislative enthusiast than a administrative enthusiast. And by that, I mean the statewide offices in Minnesota um, are traditionally running, you know, a department or running an area of the government as like an executive, as a principal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, that's, I do that in my day job, I guess, but I, it's just not something that drives me as much sure. as the legislative process where I get to work with other people, negotiate, come up with ideas, listen to constituents and determine what policy would make an impact in their lives. That drives me. Um, so if future opportunities presented themselves in a legislative opportunity, I, you know, maybe I would consider that. I think state Senate would be 
a darn good place to stay for a long time, get some seniority and yeah. really, really deliver for our region yeah. um, and stay kind of localized. That would be, my dream would be to move up actually in the state legislature okay. and, and become, you know, maybe some sort of leader of a committee or somebody that could make a bigger impact. Awesome. Yeah. What would be your one piece of advice to kind of nudge somebody in the right direction to follow their their passion. You're 14 years old and you're going to go volunteer and help on a committee. Like, yeah. What was that one piece of advice you give somebody to give them that nudge they need to pursue their passion? Yeah, it might sound simple, but I think if you're feeling an itch, if you already in your head are thinking about something, like take it. You know, like mm-hmm. just go do it, especially, and I know this is cliche. It's funny as you get older, things become more and more cliche, I feel like, <laughs> but, um, it's like when you're young, you have nothing to lose. If you're, if you're a teenager or if you're in your twenties or thirties, like you still have so much time to make mistakes. I, to be truthful, you have time to make mistakes at any age. Yeah. I shouldn't say that, but, but uh, I mean, I just think when I was 14, like jumping in the deep end and and going to that office and getting involved was so low risk for me because like, Oh, what, what? Oh, they told me to shoe off and not get involved. (laughs) Okay. I'll just go somewhere else and get involved. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's much easier to start from the bottom and just dive in. I think than it, than it is to wait around for bigger opportunities. Sure. That's such a good point. Especially the last point you just mentioned, you wait around you wait around and all of a sudden you're 80 and you're asking right. yourself, you know, do I have any regrets? And right. If you can answer that question <clears throat> confidently with no, then you know, you made the right choice and followed your heart and your gut. Exactly. And you know, I, I think the other thing too, is that you have, at least in politics and probably everything, you have to be, emotionally and mentally prepared to fail and fail big. Yeah. You might put in a lot of work. You might sacrifice a lot. You might put yourself out there in a vulnerable public situation, position, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you have to know that if you fail, you'll be all right, that you will still feel motivated to move on. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been in situations politically where things that looked pretty certain did not come to fruition Mm -hmm. and it was pretty devastating because I wasn't mentally prepared for that. Yeah. And so I've learned from that. And I think in this race, win or lose, I feel, I feel happy doing this. Yeah. Like the process of running for office, whether I become a senator or not, I love this. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter as much if I lose. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. What would you say your superpower is? I think I'm I think I could go into any environment and I'm a good ambassador. Let me rephrase that. When I, I worked for U.S. Senator Heidi Heitkamp, I was her political director. So I was her liaison, let's just say, to a lot of different interest groups, a lot of different okay. allies yeah. and opponents. And when we got done with the campaign, she was, you know, talking, talking to us and, and reminiscing about the campaign. And she said, 
Grant, you did such a good job for me. Thank you so much. But you really should have gone into the civil service and become an ambassador (laughs) because you know how to form relationships. You know how to make people trust you. You know how to calm situations down. You know how to foresee challenges and fires and put them out before they start. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's maybe what I'm good at doing. That yep. make, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Does that come just naturally to you too? I know off the off the podcast you're talking about just things like that that mm-hmm. come naturally to people. Would you say when you walk into a room, like you can adapt, you can kind of build that, find some commonality with individuals that you've yeah, never I met before? So. I think so, but I won't I won't, you know, deny that it that it takes um learning. Yeah. You know, it's not it is innate. But mm-hmm. you you learn how to do those things. Um, but you almost have to have it be natural to some degree, sure. because otherwise, <laughs> it doesn't. You could have infinite skill in saying the right thing or bending over backwards to do whatever it is. And in order to get people to trust you, you have to be trustworthy. You know, yeah. you have to be truthful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's. Yeah, you, I think to your point, you do have to have some natural tendencies there. Yeah. Awesome. If someone wants to learn more about you, your campaign, yeah, where yeah. do they have to go to learn about that? Oh, thanks for the opportunity. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash grant4mn. You can follow me on Twitter at grant underscore hauschild, and that's H-A-U-S child. Um, you can go to my website, which is grant4mn.com. Um, you can email me at grant4mn at gmail.com. Um, so, yeah, those are, and I'm pretty prolific on that stuff for the campaign. So, you'll be able to see a lot of what I'm doing and yeah. communicate with me that way. Yeah. Awesome. Right. This has been great. Thank you for the time. And it's yeah. been a pleasure learning about your journey. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much for having yeah, me. Thank I you. really appreciate it. Yeah. This Good stuff luck. Is fun. Thank you. <laughs>